Um, that was from this new year, if you didn't quite get the date at the back in the flashing lights. That was from a conference in Atlanta. Um, it was a young adults conference. 65,000 college students saw in the new year. And the conference is called Passion. So I was like, well, that's a coincidence. And, um, and it's very, very exciting. And there is, I'm going to talk a little bit about fireworks. So I was like, well, that kind of lines up. And I was like, well, if I can't play that any other time in the year, can I ever? So I'm just going to play it today. So happy new year. And like Paul said, we're talking about passion. And perhaps you see, you hear the word passion and you're in church And if you know me, or if you've been at this church for a little while, I lead worship here. And like Paul, I do jump around like a slightly crazy person. And you might think, oh, that's what passion's like then. And I'm hopefully, I'm going to show you that that's a fruit of what goes on inside. So passion will look and feel very, very different for every single one of us. But hopefully you're encouraged to go and find out what being passionate means for you. So, Happy New Year, I've said it once. Have you anyone made any New Year's resolutions? Wow. Excellent. Well, I don't know how we're going to go for the rest of this preach then. (laughs) So, um, has anyone ever made New Year's resolutions? Help me out. Thanks. Brilliant. Brilliant. Has anyone ever made New Year's resolutions and seen them through? Excellent. Has anyone, well, I was about to say, has anyone broken any of their New Year's resolutions? Yes. Yeah. Has any of you made a New Year's resolution actually you're yet to start? Yes. Okay. Right. We can work with this. Okay. So not to put a downer on you, but you've obviously put it on yourself. Not many of us actually see through our New Year's resolutions. And there might be a number of reasons for that. It might be that actually we were far too vague in the first place. Um... It might be that we haven't got enough in the tank to actually achieve it. It might be entirely unrealistic. If you've been in, um, you might have heard the acrostic when it comes to setting goals and setting objectives, the acrostic SMART. So you might have, ever, you might have made a New Year's resolution once, obviously not this year because none of you have made one, but you might have made a New Year's resolution once to be healthier, to be fitter. That's not SMART. Because I'm like, well, so what? And what? And that's probably why the be healthier, be fitter fell down. SMART stands for being specific. So healthier and fitter. Well, what does that mean? Because that means a lot of different things for a lot of different people. It means being achievable. So I'm going to run a marathon this year. It's not achievable. Before any of you say you can do all things, wait for it. Wait for it. It's got to be realistic. It's got to be um, measurable. I've got my letters mixed up. I mixed one out. Got to be measurable. So I'm going to get healthier and fitter by when? By when? By the time I'm 80? Or by next week? What do you mean? It's got to be realistic. So I'm going to get healthier and fitter by becoming a vegan and drinking only water. Well, no offense to any vegans out there, but I like my meat. And, no, and, you know, drinking water and nothing but water, this girl needs at least three cups of coffee in the morning to get herself going. And then we have to switch to decaf for the rest of the day. But I like my coffee, strong and black, if any of you ever make me a brew. So, but, but a smart objective for me, if I did want to get healthier or fitter, and if this bit can be edited out of the preach for when it goes online, I'd much appreciate it. 
So I am going to get fitter by increasing my exercise, by completing online at-home sessions each week. I will measure my fitness based on heart rates or recovery or being able to increase intensity. I will work around my other commitments and find time for three 30-minute sessions each week. And I will do this every week for the first three months, and then I'll review and reset my target. That's a smart objective. And yet, we can all just forget what I just said. That would be marvellous. <laughs> and if you've met my husband, Ben, you'll realise that that is not a smart target for Ben. Because Ben will do, I'm just going to go out for a run. He's done it three times since Christmas. I'm just going to go out for a run. And by a run, Ben means seven or ten miles, just like that. And then he comes home and eats a whole tin of biscuits. <laughs> it's not fair, really, is it? The point... <laughs> I do have a point. My point is, we have to have something to aim for. And going back to what I first said, one of the reasons why one of our our news resolutions, we might not actually make it and we break it and we fall down at the first hurdle, is that we're missing an ingredient. And this morning, no secret, that ingredient may be passion. Passion gets us places and passion keeps us going and passion is our fuel. But if passion is our fuel, I want to ask you, what is fueling your passion? So think about any goal that you've ever set that you've wanted to achieve. Your desire to achieve it in the first place, where did that come from? The fuel of our passion will ultimately determine where we end up. So, linking back to the video that we just watched a moment ago, There were a lot of fireworks. And those fireworks were timed to absolute precision. I mean, hats off to the production team. No pressure for this Christmas creative team. That was epic. So, uh, but you know, you've got enough time to get your think, your, uh, the think tanks going. But think of passion as a firework. And this, this analogy falls down later on in my message, but at the moment it works beautifully. Think of it as a, think of it as a firework. A firework needs two things to get it to the point where it's determined to explode. And it is magnitude, which is size. We're having a small physics lesson this morning, just small, because it's only the 5th of January, and school hasn't gone back yet. It needs magnitude, and it needs direction. It needs some kind of energy, in this case, gunpowder. And it needs someone going, I'm going to make sure it goes this way. It needs aim, and it needs some oomph behind it. Passion can be determined or can be called a force, therefore. And this is what my message is called this morning. It's forceful passion. And I want you to just listen carefully because I don't want this to be taken the wrong way. It's not having a passion and to hell with the rest of you, I'm going to get to my goal. That's not what forceful passion is. Forceful passion is passion that is full of force. It is full of magnitude. It's full of some kind of oomph and it is pointing in the right direction. That's what I want forceful passion to be through. Passion is a force which creates impact that gets us to our destination, sees the goal achieved and the breakthrough broken through. But passion needs fuel. So, like I said, we're going to talk about passion being forceful this morning. So, going back to my apparently New Year's resolution to get healthier and fitter, the, the reason that oomph has got to be big enough for me to actually get there. Agreed? So, getting healthier and fitter, dropping a dress size, 
would be nice, but I don't know if that's actually going to see it through. Extending my life expectancy is getting better, but actually in the here and now, am I actually going to consider that enough for me to not eat the Lindor teddy bear that is sat on top of the kitchen cabinet in one sitting? No. But when you see my toddler running around, and she discovered running over Christmas, and she wants to be chased and she does it with laughter, and she wants you to keep up with her and play with her at all times, and sing Wind the Bobbin Up the 20 times before 6 o'clock in the morning. That actually puts a fire in my belly, because I want to be a healthy mum that keeps up with her daughter and has fun with her and can play with her. That's enough of an oomph for me to actually get fitter and healthier. I've suddenly found my why. So today, like I said, we're looking at forceful passion, how to fuel our passion with the right fuel and how to point our passion in the right direction. So we're going to look at a person in the Bible who I think was a pretty passionate kind of a guy. And uh, we're going to look at different milestones along his life and see what we can learn about passion and how we can be passionate this year and beyond. This guy was all or nothing. He was ride or die when it came to his relationship with Jesus. But he also, he fell down. And his passion failed him. But, but there was hope for him in the end. So we're going to look at a guy called Peter. So we're going to look at the first milestone. We're doing a bit of a this is your life for Peter. And the first milestone is when he is called So just like I found my why, this is where Peter finds his why. So we're going to look at two scriptures. The first one is found in Luke chapter 5. And a lot of my scriptures are taken from the Passion Translation. So we're just getting it in from all angles today. So Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 3. Jesus climbed into the boat belonging to Simon Peter and asked him, let me use your boat, push it off for a short distance away from the shore so I can speak to the crowds. Jesus sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished, he said to Peter, Now row out to deep water and cast your nets, and you will have a great catch. Master, Peter replied, We've come back from fishing all night and didn't catch a thing, but if you insist, we'll go out again and let down our nets because of your word. When they pulled up their nets, they were shocked to see a huge catch of fish, so much their nets were ready to burst. They waved to their business partners in the other boat for help. They ended up completely filling both boats with fish until their boats began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this astonishing miracle, he knelt at Jesus' feet and begged him, Go away from me, master, for I am a sinful man. Simon Peter and the other fishermen, including his fishing partners, Jacob and John, the sons of Zebedee, were awestruck over the miracle catch of fish. Jesus answered, Do not yield your fear, Simon Peter. From now on, you will catch men for salvation." After pulling their boats to the shore, they left everything behind and followed Jesus. So Jesus calls Peter. And I'm about to explain. So if you don't know the story of Peter, he was born and named Simon by his father. And then we're going to find out now why he suddenly changes his name. So Matthew 16, verses 17 to 19. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind in earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. 
That's a why, if ever I saw one. That was enough for Peter, then Simon, to immediately drop what he was doing. And it wasn't just drop what he was doing just then. He'd been fishing his entire life. That was probably the family business. He dropped it all and went, okay, Jesus, I'm after you. I'm going to follow you. And it wasn't just about following Jesus Because then he was told that actually his purpose and his why wasn't just for him, but was for others. He was going to be called to other people to bring them to Jesus and to become what we now know is a foundation in in the church. The church in this day and age exists because people like Peter, if you want to read this story in Acts, became the foundation after Jesus' resurrection. What a why. But I don't want you to miss this because this is like the first point of what I want you to say. And one of the things I really want you to take away is where did that why come from? Where where did that, that oomph, that purpose, that calling, where did the fuel for Peter's passion come from? Back in Matthew 16, if you want to read verse 17 again, Jesus says, For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. The fuel for Peter's passion was a personal revelation of who Jesus was. And that was enough for him to drop everything and pick up a new purpose and a new passion. Your first step in ensuring your passion is forceful is knowing your why. And know that it's found in Jesus. Jesus has called you and has purposed you as much as he called and purposed Peter. And we know this because at the end of Matthew, the story of the Great Commission, which I think a lot of us are familiar with, this is what Jesus tells us to do. Now, wherever you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to faithfully follow all that I have commanded you. And never forget that I am with you every day, even to the completion of this age. That's our call. That's our why. That's why we do what we do. Whether it's in church or outside of church, it's because of other people. And this world needs a saviour. That's our why. But maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you're still fishing for fish. Maybe you're still Simon. You're not Peter yet. Well, here's your step one. John three sixteen. For this is how much God loved the world. He gave his one and only unique son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish, but experience everlasting life. Do you have this morning a personal revelation of who God is? Because that will determine the direction of your passion and the direction, therefore, of the rest of your life. Do you need a first-time revelation? Have you not made that decision to follow Jesus before? Well, we are going to give you an opportunity this morning. Why not start 2020 making a decision to follow Jesus and switching your aim and finding a new passion? Do you need to realign your passion? Has it become skewed? Have you drifted off course? Do you need to come back to Jesus? You can do that this morning. Do you just need to be reminded on a day-to-day basis? You might not know, maybe you don't know about Jesus. So maybe you've been coming to church a long time and you've heard the messages and you have the knowledge but is it personal? That's a challenge. Take that first step today. We will give you opportunity. So Peter finds his why. Peter finds his calling. Peter finds his purpose. There's a lot of peas. I'm going to have a drink. Okay. 
So the next milestone in Peter's life tells us that passion is not a one-off exercise. You don't just get passion once and then, I'm passionate, I'm going to keep on going now. No, it's a lifetime of keeping our eyes fixed. So we're going to go to the next milestone. Again, a well-known story in Peter's life found in Matthew 14. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because of the wind against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and, beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Peter gets a lot of grief for this bit of his story. People go, oh, he sank. His faith failed him. And that's correct. But the man walked on water. The man got out of the boat and actually walked on water toward Jesus because he said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. And Jesus said, come. His focus in that moment while he was walking was on Jesus. As soon as he got distracted by the waves, he started to sink. As soon as his focus and his grip on his personal revelation of who Jesus was started to drift, he began to sink And how often does that happen in our lives? Things happen. Life happens. Bad things happen. We get distracted from our faith. We get distracted from who God says he is and who he says we are in God. And we start to drift. And our passion starts to fizzle out and dwindle. And perhaps our engagement in God and our engagement in church starts to fall away. It's because we've lost sight of who God is. And it happens to every single one of us. It happens to me very often. And we have to be reminded. We have to keep ourselves fueled through word and through worship. So that when storms come, because they will come. So it's, not, it's nothing to feel bad about because life happens. But it's knowing that when they come, recognizing that this is a storm. But actually God doesn't change in it. That's what we've got to do. It's happened to us many, many times. Ben and I, it's happened to us both a couple of times, particularly that I can remember in the last few months. And you can be doing really good things. You could be doing things for church even. But things get hard. And life feels to get the better of you. In the run-up to Christmas, when it's obviously a very busy season, Ben started to flap. He did. <laughs> Starts to flap. He starts to flap. And there was one evening and... Just to, he had to do the exact same thing to me a couple of weeks later. But Ben started to flap, and I couldn't help him. I couldn't actually do any of the things that he wanted me that he needed to do. I couldn't help him practically. But what I said to him because I was kind of it was late at night and I was tired. So this was me kind of saying, "Can you get a grip?" But I said to him, "Is God who He says He is?" And Ben goes, "Yes." It's like, right. And who does He say you are? 
And he goes, silence. And after a while, he goes, I'm loved. I'm a child of God. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm called. And and it, it lifted him and it reminded him of why he was doing what he did. And he reminded him of his passion. Actually, it's not just an event. It's not just to make him look good. It was because God deserved the praise and God deserved the glory. And he passionately believed that people would come to salvation as a result of what we put on at Christmas. He just needed to be reminded. And it happened to me a couple of weeks later, completely different set of circumstances. I had one family member who was ill. And then overnight, I had another family member get admitted to hospital. And I was like, what is my life? It was half past seven in the morning. I was like, sack it all. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I was so, I was just, I was like, I felt beaten up. And Ben couldn't help me in any other way except saying, is God who he is, is God who he says he is? And therefore, who are you? I was like, okay. But that, we need each other. That's my point. If you read that passage back, it was only when Peter got back into the boat with the other people that the admission of you are truly the son of God came out. We need each other. So perhaps this year, if you're not in a small group, get in a small group. If you're in a small group, make sure you go to your small group. Engage with it. Contribute. Be involved because that's where you get strong, accountable relationships which will be deep and meaningful, which will love on you, which will support you and where you have the honour and the privilege to love and support others. We need each other if we're going to keep ourselves fueled and full of passion to see through this call of God on our lives and on our lives individually. We need each other. So that's how we've got to stay in a committed every day to make sure and be and be aware that this is a lifelong thing I'm in this for the long haul the call of God on this church isn't a flash in the pan we're going to be looking at our focus for the year but actually the call of God on this church and his design and his purposes is vast and it's massive and I'm not going anywhere unless God boots me I'm staying here but that means if I want to be part of it And I want to see it through. And I want to be involved. And I want to see all the wonders that God has in store and the people he's going to win for this for him. Then I need to keep myself fueled up if I'm going to be of any use. Otherwise, people are going to be working hard to come and get me. So I have a responsibility. And we all do. No pressure. But it's an exciting journey to be on. The third milestone is similar But it's intentional. Passion needs fire to keep burning. We need to stay red hot. That firework, if it got wet or it got cold or a really cold little gust of wind came across, it would probably go out. We need to stay red hot if we're going to keep burning. In Revelation, there are a series of letters written to churches. And in the letter to the church in Laodicea, We read Christ's desire that we're either full of passion or actually not at all. Revelation 3. I know all that you do, and I know that you are neither frozen in apathy nor fervent with passion. How I wish you were either one or the other, but because you are neither hot nor cold but lukewarm, I am about to spit you from my mouth. For you claim, I am rich and getting richer, I don't need a thing. Yet you are clueless and you are miserable, poor, blind, barren and naked. 
So I counsel you to purchase gold perfected by fire so that you can be truly rich. Purchase a white garment to cover and clothe your shameful Adam nakedness. Purchase eye salve to be placed over your eyes so that you can truly see. All those I dearly love, I unmask and train. So repent and be eager to pursue what is right. Lukewarm. I've had a lot of lukewarm coffees over recent months, thanks to Abigail. And they are grim things. It is, a, it is a crying shame when you have to reheat your coffee. Lukewarm is nothing to be excited about and nothing to be pleased about and nothing to be proud about. Lukewarm is half-hearted. And you can't do anything with lukewarm to the point where Jesus says, I don't want anything to do with lukewarm and we'll spit it out. And that sounds brutal. But going back to what I've just said, if this church, if God's vision for this church is to be what it is, He's ordained it to be. We can't be half-hearted. This world doesn't deserve half-hearted. This world deserves us heart and soul, ride or die like Peter. So what have we got to do to get ourselves there? What have we got to do? Passion keeps us going. Passion keeps us fueled up to get to where we're going. And passion needs to be red hot. So don't allow yourself to get cold. There was a moment in Peter's life, and this is the third milestone. There was a moment in Peter's life when he got cold and he sought warmth in the wrong place. And this is where his life starts to go completely off course. And we've just, that conference was Passion 2020. It's a, passion, it's a conference run by Louis and Shelley Giglio in Atlanta. And it's been going for a number of years. And I heard this verse preached in one of the preachers, and it was kind of similar to what I want to say. So I don't, I'm not saying I've nicked it, but it was inspired by. But there is a. Um, let me just read this verse to you. So let's. This is Peter's going awry. So in John 18, we're going to read verse 18 and then jump to 25. Now, because it was cold, the soldiers and guards made a charcoal fire and were standing around it to keep warm. So Peter huddled there with them around the fire. Jump to verse 25. Meanwhile, Peter was still standing in the courtyard by the fire. And one of the guards standing there said to him, Aren't you one of his disciples? I know you are. Peter swore and said, I'm not his disciple, but one of the servants of the high priest, a relative to the man whose ear Peter had cut off, looked at him and said, Wait, didn't I see you out there in the garden with Jesus? Then Peter denied it a third time and said, no. And at the very same moment, a rooster crowed nearby. Peter got cold and sought warmth in the wrong place. And that's where he ended up denying Jesus, denying the person who had called him, who had given him purpose, the guy who had become a really close companion. Whenever Jesus retreated and took just a couple of people with him, he always took Peter Peter cut off a guy's ear in, because he wanted to protect Jesus. That's who Peter was for the duration of the, of the uh, gospel so far. And then all of a sudden, because he got cold, he actually denied this person entirely. And actually, I can't, I can't imagine what it's like to be Peter because I can't read in the Bible any time between that and Jesus' death that he actually got to talk to him and reconcile himself. So his last... 
the last thing he said about or of Jesus that's recorded is, I don't know him. What a dark place to be. When we get cold, our passion can die. Or we can become passionate about something else. So I want to ask you, is your environment conducive to fueling your passion? Are you surrounding yourself with people who will fuel your faith? Are you filling your heart and mind with the goodness of God on a daily basis? Because I don't know about you, but I can't rely on one Sunday message. And I can't rely on listening to the odd podcast. I can't do it. In fact, I found myself doing it a little bit last year when life was getting busy and things were getting the better of me. And did I notice a drop in my passion? Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to come and things became hard work and I kept finding excuses. That was me. And I found it hard and things that should have been a joy became hard work. And it was directly in relation to my daily engagement with God. This year, we've started, we're five days in, Bible in a year. And it's brilliant. And there are two, you can get, there's an app for it on its own, or you can find it on version. Because if we were talking about it this morning, some of us still like to be able to tick things off. That's me. So that's where version helps you out. But we're doing that every single day for a year together. We're feeding ourselves and fueling ourselves with the word of God a little bit each day. And it is a chunk because we're covering it in a year but wow what a change it makes what a change and it's got it can fit into your life it's your environment it's your walk so make it work for you on the app there's an audio version where Nikki Gumbel narrates not just the bible but the commentaries in between so you can just press play and away it goes perhaps it's not your ideal but you've got to get it in somehow You've got to get it in. So tomorrow when I'm driving to work, I've got a 50-minute commute. Play. And I've got, and I can listen to the word of God. But make sure you do it. Make, take a personal responsibility to craft your environment, to make sure that it feeds you, to make sure that you've got space for God to speak to you every day, to hear something new from God, to be reminded of something. Create space and create an environment that fuels your passion for God and to stay committed to the plans and purposes he has for you and he has for us together. So my last point, my last milestone in Peter's life. So we've just found him and we've just left him in a really dark place. He's just denied Jesus and Jesus has died. And, he, and you might be able to relate to Jesus right now. You don't know him. He's, or he's far away, or you once knew him, but you're in a dark place. And Jesus feels like he's still dead. And you haven't got a passion. The good news is that the fire can be relit, and there is hope for passion. This is where my analogy goes from a firework to one of those annoying birthday candles that you blow out and it relights. That's what passion is now. Passion can be relit. So what happens when we fall down, when we allow ourselves to become distracted, fall off the wagon, when our passion does fizzle out to maybe more than nothing, just a flicker and all hope seems lost, Jesus comes back. He comes back for us and he reminds us of who he is and what he has called us to do. 
Let's read in Luke 24. When the disciples heard the testimony of the women, so the women have just been to the grave where Jesus was buried, and they'd found the grave empty. It made no sense, and they were unable to believe what they had heard. But Peter jumped up and ran the entire distance to the tomb to see for himself. Stooping down, he looked inside and discovered it was empty. There was only the linen sheet lying there. Staggered by this, he walked away, wondering what it meant. Too good to be true? Maybe his faith was starting to rekindle. Maybe the passion for God was starting to come back. Because I think it was. I think he was so stirred. That's why he ran and jumped up. And he had to see for himself. I think we start to see passion returning to Peter's life. And then once Jesus has definitely been resurrected and people know about it, we catch up the story in John 21. Peter um, was out fishing with his friends. Sound familiar? They've been fishing all night and not caught anything. Sound familiar? Jesus was on the shore and told them to try again. And they caught so many that their nets began to break. Sound familiar? And then we read in verse 7. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord! And when Peter heard him say that, he quickly wrapped his outer garment around him. And because he was athletic, he fulfilled his New Year's resolutions. He dove right into the lake to go to Jesus. Peter threw all caution to the wind to get back to Jesus. No shame. He ignored his friends. He didn't care about the catch of fish. That would have been like, you know, a year's wages or whatever. He didn't care. He saw Jesus and he wanted to get to him. He had no shame whatsoever. He left everything again and set himself on a course for the shore where his saviour was. And then we read, we jump to verse 15. So they, the, sh- the fish have come to shore because they just ate a whole load of them. After they had had breakfast, Peter, Jane, uh, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you burn with love for me? For more than these. Peter answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I have great affection for you. Then take care of my lambs, Jesus said. Jesus repeated his question, Simon, son of John, do you burn with love for me? Peter answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I have great affection for you. Then take care of my sheep. Then Jesus asked him again, Peter, son of John, do you have great affection for me? And Peter was saddened by being asked a third time and said, My Lord, you know everything. You know that I burn with love for you. Jesus replied, Then feed my lambs. Peter, listen. When you were younger, you made your own choices and you went where you pleased. But one day when you are old, others will tie you up and escort you to a place you would not choose to go and you will spread out your arms. Jesus said this to Peter as a prophecy of what kind of death he would die for the glory of God. And then he said, Peter, follow me. I love this version, which is the Passion Translation, because it says, do you burn with love for me? Have you got fuel that fuels your love and keeps your fire burning when it comes to Jesus? Jesus wanted to know if Peter's passion was burning fiercely. And if it was, Jesus was willing to remind him that he was Peter. Notice 
And the first two times he was asked, he referred to him in his old name, Simon, because he wasn't sure who he was anymore, but he needed to be reminded. He called him Peter the third time. And that it was then that he was entrusted again with his calling to feed Jesus' people and to build his church. Know this. No matter how far gone you may feel, there is hope today. Jesus returned once and he, will, he has returned for you as much as he returned for Peter. Hope is not lost for you today. Jesus is asking you again if you love him. And it may seem like a simple question. And like Peter, you may be frustrated that you've been asked this again and again and again. But it is a simple foundation. But it is an imperative question that you must answer if God is going to entrust you with a purpose for your life. And once you're there, once you are know you are, know, you are burning with love, allow God to remind you of his call upon your life. And allow him through your daily walk to set your direction. Like that firework, remember, you've got the burning, but you've now got to allow God to fix you on a path that he wants you to go on. So maybe you need to seek God this year. If you haven't made any New Year's resolutions, every single one of us, ask God, what do you want for me from this year? Where are we going? Because I want to come with you. A God goal needs a God-fueled passion. And a God-fueled passion needs God. So start now. Get God front and center every single day. Read his word passionately. Plant yourself passionately in a God-centered community. I can highly recommend this one. And create space for him to speak and be heard. So there's our four milestones in Peter's life. And a lot has been said. And a lot of questions have been asked And it's not perhaps the overzealous, bouncing off the walls message about passion that you are perhaps expecting. But it does require us to answer some questions. It's about being passionate and finding out what being passionate looks like for you. Because we're all different. We've all been created in a wonderfully unique way. And that means that our passion, how we demonstrate it, is wonderfully unique. So you've got to find it. So I don't know about you, but I'm committed to finding out what passionate looks like for me this year. And I want to set out and make sure that I see that and others see passion for God in me this year. Psalm 34, it's not on the screens. Psalm 34 says, Make God the utmost delight and pleasure of your life and he will provide for you what you desire the most. That's it. If you, if you want to achieve what's on your heart, if you want those desires it comes back to Jesus. It always comes back to Jesus and putting him first and making him the utmost delight and pleasure in your life. So we've asked questions. The most important one is, do you have a personal revelation of who God is in your life? And like I said, we are not going to walk away from today without giving you opportunity to make him the Lord and the Savior of your life. And what that means is you believe who Jesus, what, who you believe in who he was, who he is. You believe that he is living and alive and well today and he has a plan and a purpose for your life. We want you to believe because 
A life sold out for Jesus is the biggest and best adventure. And we want, there is more than enough room for you on this ride. So why not start today? Perhaps, like you, perhaps you've been someone else in this story. You know about Jesus. You could quote, you know all the stories. You know about him. But actually it's not made its way down here. It's not personal yet. Or perhaps life is getting the better of you. Or has got the better of you. And you know that you need to fix your eyes back on Jesus. You need to realign yourself or allow him, rather, to realign you back to where he wants you to be. We've all got opportunity to respond this morning because there is always more in God. And like I said, this is daily. This is every single day for the rest of our lives because God's worth it. And the people that he wants us to reach are worth it. It's not a, The minute you make that decision, it's not about you anymore. It's about those who don't know. And that might be you in this room. So I want to give you an opportunity, whether it's one, to make that first-time decision to follow Jesus, to stop fishing for fish, and start fishing for people with God as your anchor, as the person pointing you in that direction. But also, you might need, and there's no shame in this, you might need to realign yourself and recommit your life to Jesus. So we're going to take a moment. So if you want to bow your heads, I believe that there are people in this room who don't know Jesus. And I also believe there are people in this room who need to start the year off back with Jesus. And if you are one of those two groups of people, I would love to be able to pray for you afterwards. And there is a team that are eager and we deliberately designate them and keep them free each morning, each week, so that people can receive salvation and come to know Jesus. There are people ready and waiting and eager to talk to you and pray with you.